I'm very gracious to get the opportunity to open the Word of God. I really am. Um, I think you're speaking back, looking back into my past, I actually thought I was sitting there thinking during the week about the first time that I ever preached. Uh, it was at a youth service in Benalla. And um, I was asked, I think it was a couple of months before, so I had a long time to prepare. They're very good that way. And when I first started preparing, I had vision in my mind how I was going to preach it. And I was going to stand up the front with all authority, like every great preacher I've ever heard. This is what I thought. I was going to get up here and just convict everyone in the church. And it got to a week before. I've never felt so much fear in my life. <laughs> I sat there in the church pew the moment before and I think my knees were clinking together so fast. Um, by the end of the sermon, I'd finished my whole cup of water. But the whole time as I was sitting there before I come up, it went from me being this amazing preacher to just God, please get me through it. But he's gracious enough to put me here now. So um, I'm going to talk about fear tonight. So how many people here have experienced some sort of fear? Show of hands. These are all pretty honest, so that's good. Um, when I was a young boy, there was one thing I feared the most, and it was taking the trash out at night. I hated it. I hated it. I'd grab the trash bag and walk along like this, you know. But I'm a person who likes to look cool, so the idea is to look cool while you're shaking, so I'm walking along like, yeah, I'm cool, but I'm not. Get to the bin, you put it in the bin, and you go, I wonder how fast I can run back to the house. You run back to the house. Just trying to make out like you want to see how fast you can run. Really, you're just absolutely terrified. <laughs> um, but there was one thing, is when I went out with my dad, there was absolutely no fear in me at all. So as we move forward with the message, just keep that story in the back of your mind because there is a good, a good lesson to be learned there. If you turn with me tonight to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Verses 16 to 19. 1 John chapter 4, verses 16 to 19. And we have known and believed that the love of God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in the world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him, because he first loved us. We'll just uh, open up in prayer. Dear Lord and most gracious Heavenly Father, I do just thank you, Lord, for your great love. And just thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us and just for this opportunity. I pray, Lord, that you hide me behind your cross and just speak through me, Lord. I just pray, Lord, that you give me courage and just be with the audience tonight and just open their hearts and minds so they can understand. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> so our key verse tonight will be verse 18. Uh, we'll be just talking on just a, no, no reason to fear is the title of the message tonight. Um, when I first read verse 18, I had, had mixed emotions. Because the first, when I first read it, I realised how much fear I truly have. Like when I was preparing the message, I was in fear of actually having to stand up here and present it because it is just a, something I've always feared. I've never really liked 
standing up and talking in front of people. I remember at um, Dave's wedding, I was the best man. I had to get up and do the speech, and I didn't pray about that one. And I actually had to put my phone down because it was shaking that much. Just that's how much I hate standing out in the front. And I had mixed emotions because in this it says that people that um, love God and are in God, they shouldn't fear. People that know God should not fear. And I was, I'm a young man and I have my whole life ahead of me and I don't know what's around the corner. So naturally I actually fear, have fear about that. And I've always just, had, when I read it I actually felt guilty. I felt guilty. I said, well, if I truly love God, then I should not fear that because God is in control of my life. And I felt like a weight was added to my shoulders. And then I read it again and read it again. And you get another sense that God's love is perfect. So why should we fear? And it was like a weight was lifted off my shoulders. So it was just, you just sit there and think about why we fear and all these things. And it's just like, well, God's love is perfect. Um, so tonight I'm going to break my message down to a few key points. Uh, the first one being, what is fear? Um, the second one, um, what is God's perfect love? And the third one is, how can we know God's perfect love? And then I'm just going to leave you with a couple practical examples tonight. Um, okay, so what is fear? Fear is a sense uh, of overwhelming terror. It is... A, a sense of not knowing what's around the corner or a sense of a fear of disappointing someone, a fear of missing out. I think for young people today is a very big thing and fear of missing out on the world. It was for me. And these are just things we fear. We can also fear disappointing God or fear telling someone that we know God too. There's always that fear as well. And a fear is just something that we really can't control and that terrifies us. It does. Um... We have a really good example of people that feed in the Bible in uh, Numbers chapter 13. Have you turned to Numbers chapter 13? Numbers chapter 13, verse 25. And they returned from searching of the land after forty days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel um, unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest, and surely it floweth with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled, and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell, in the, uh, dwell by the sea, and by the coast of Jordan. Um, yeah. So a little bit of a background to this part of the scriptures. Um, Moses was ordered by God to send uh, 12 men, one from each of the tribes of Israel, um, to just spy out the, the land that he's promised unto his people. This is after God saved them from um, Pharaoh in Egypt, and they've gone through part of the sea for him and all these great things that God did through that time. And they've just sent these 12 men into the land to just, just find out whether there'd be great cities and who lives there and 
what they have what they have to overcome to get this land that God has promised them. And um, after forty days, the spies came back. Um, well, the twelve men came back, and they came before the, all the congregation and Moses and Aaron. And um, just a little bit about the twelve men: uh, they would have been great men of their tribes. They would have been the greatest men of their tribes, most likely. They would have been strong. They would have been great warriors, and they had enough courage to go in and spy the land. And when they got back, um, if you, uh, where are we at? Yeah, read in verse 28, um, when they come back, it says, Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled, and very great. Moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, and the children of Anak are the giants, just so you know. Um, so the great men of the tribes come back, and they say that we're scared. We're scared of the people that are in that land. And not only were they scared and told them that they were scared, they managed to scare all the congregation. The whole congregation of Israel was scared. Um, if you, oh, sorry. Yeah, so they managed to scare the whole congregation of Israel. Um, if you read on in chapter 14, um, we'll go from verses 1 to 3. It explains how, how scared the rest of the congregation truly were. Um, and all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried. And the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God had we died in the wilderness, in this wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? They were that scared they wanted to go back from where God just saved them. And it's just... Uh, I read that and it's like that God just parted the, the sea so that you could cross. God just did so many miracles for you just to get out of that land and you just still have so much fear. And um, I just, yeah, how could they fear? And you think about it, you put yourself... Oh, you look at it from our perspective when you just read on you go how could they fear then you put yourself in their shoes and it's the 12 great men of their tribes come to them and say that, that's really scary in there I don't want to go in there and as a normal person I don't really blame the congregation for getting scared I truly don't I mean for a normal person to have the great men of their tribe to come and say that's scary land in there the big people in there they're scary in the big, big cities I really don't actually blame them but um, if you look what Caleb Caleb actually stilled them and said we should go forth and if there was only a few more Caleb's in that congregation they probably wouldn't have had to wander in the wilderness for so long as a punishment so it's just I hope if I was there that I'd be a Caleb that's what I think about when I read that uh, if you go back to 1 John chapter 4 our key text tonight no not that one We'll just dive a little bit deeper. There's a bit more in here that explains a bit more about fear. Um, I'll just read the whole verse again. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. You see, in the middle of the verse, it says, Fear hath torment. Um, to say that torment, 
to explain torment, torment is, when I think of torment, I actually think of torture. I think of that terror and agonising pain that comes with torture. The, it just over, overcomes you. There's nothing you can do about it. That's what torment brings to me. If you think about just the fact that fear would torment you. If you're scared of something, say if you're scared about getting hurt the next day, you're not going to want to get out of bed. That's the way I look at it. And that's if you look at the congregation of Israel, they did, they wanted to go back to where they came from, it was, and it's just they wanted to go back from where they just got saved. The captivity, the the crying that then the pain they went through there, getting whipped to build the build the mansions and stuff. They wanted to go back to that and just try and rely on God, God's love and God's promise that He would give them the land. And it's just. I just you just see the torment in Israel there. Um, all they had to do was trust in God's love, and they probably wouldn't have had to go through what they went through. So, as we move on to the second part, is um, what what is God's perfect love? How do we know God's perfect love? And if um, God, I think the God's the best example of God's love is through his son and what his son did on the cross for our sins the best the greatest example of any kind of love is what jesus did on the cross and it says for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life it says god so loved the world there is just we just i don't think we truly understand that extent of love the true love of god that he sent his only son to die on the cross I've been thinking a lot, a lot over the last few weeks of what Jesus actually went through and the pain and suffering that he went through. And if you just bear with me for a moment, I'm just going to try and do my best to paint a picture of what he went through without going into too much detail. Um, if you turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, in chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, we'll be reading from verses 63-65. And the men that held Jesus mocked him and smote him. And when they had blindfolded him, they struck him on the face and asked him, saying, Prophesy, who is it that smote thee? And many other things blasphemously spake they they against him. the mockery that Jesus went through for us. The just the just for a little bit of background of where that where we're at at the moment. Um, this is after they've gone up to the Mount of Olives and taken Jesus in. This is pretty much straight after before they've taken him to Pilate. Um, and I just sit there and think, imagine being blindfolded and slapped in the face and then asked saying, "Who slapped you?" It just that's just just a mockery. It's just it's just just oh yeah. I don't know how to explain it. It just it really would just it talks about not testing God in the Bible, and that's just what they've done. And it's just, just, just not right. And um, all right, just get myself back on track here. I'm a bit lost, but that's all right. Um, turn with me to Matthew chapter 27, 24. This is after after they've taken him to Pilate. chapter 27 
verses 24 to 26. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of this blood of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Then answered the people and said, His blood is on us and on our children. Then he uh, then released he Barabbas unto them, and he scourged and he had scourged Jesus. He delivered him to be crucified. I did a little bit of a study on what it meant to be scourged, and um, scourging was uh, generally a whip of three leather strands, and through the le uh, through each leather strand there's chunks of metal or bone, and the whole point of that whip was to rip off as much skin as possible in each strike. Uh, by Jewish law, um, it was 40 less one strikes, so it's 39 strikes. But in an article I read, Romans didn't have such a law. They weren't bound by the amount of strikes that they could hit. And for the article I, I read, the Romans would just go until uh, someone told them to stop, until they were just at a point where they thought the person was going to die. And 39 strikes is bad enough. And I just don't, it says that Jesus is the most martyred man. And you could just imagine what he went through and the pain and suffering of it. I reckon one whip would be bad enough. I don't know if I'd, I'd be just terrified to get whipped once by something like that. And he got whipped so many times by it. I'd, you just don't really understand the pain that he would have went through for that. Um, after that, they, de they delivered him to be crucified and he had to carry his own cross. And he didn't even have enough strength to carry his own cross. Uh, they put a crown of thorns on his head. They just the mockery that they put him through with that, the superscription that was at the bottom of the cross saying King of the Jews, just to mock him and the pain and suffering. Um, but all of that is just really physical pain and I honestly don't believe that was the hardest thing that Jesus went through. Um, I think the most painful thing that Jesus went through was on the cross. And if you look in verses uh, 45 and 46, uh, it says... Now from the sixth hour there was a darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. This is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The earth went dark for three hours um, when Jesus bore the weight of the whole world. So all our sins, he bore the weight of all our sins. And the reason why the world went black is because the father turned his back because he couldn't look at his son and when you read the words my God my God why hast thou forsaken me you realize that Jesus had never been apart from God that was the first time I believe Jesus would have ever felt alone in his entire life and they were together from the beginning well, from the beginning there's no beginning for God but they've been together that whole time up to this point and you just hear the cry that Jesus would have made and it would have been loud. And my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And he went through all that just because he loves you. There is no greater love than that. Uh, it says in Romans 8.32, um, He that spared not his son, but delivered him up for us all, 
How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? There's just such a great love. For a God that sent his son to die on the cross for our sins and he still says he'll give us all things. And he's given us eternal life. And I just want to take a short time now to say, if you're sitting out there tonight and you don't know God, he went through all that suffering for you and for your sins because he loves you. And if you don't know God tonight, I don't just just plead with you, just please don't leave here tonight without knowing him. Tomorrow is not promised. Why take that risk? It's, a, it's an eternity of damnation if you don't know God. And he, he still died on the cross for your sins when he didn't have to. And he loves you and wants to know you. So just please ask tonight, just don't leave without, without getting to know God. There's plenty of people here that you can talk to, I'm sure. Um, so now that we know what God's love is, how can we know God's love? If you just, um, oh, should read, I'll read the verse again. Um, I don't really need to read the verse, it's alright. I'll just ask the question. I have a question for married people out there tonight. Um, how did you know that your spouse loved you? Did you start the relationship without talking to them? Without spending any time, without making an effort, without wanting to get to know them? I'm sure you didn't because if you did it probably wouldn't be a relationship. So i just ask you tonight is, how is that any different with God? How can we know God, how did, if you can't know your spouse's love, someone who you can talk to and see without talking to them, how can you know God's love without talking to them? How can you know God's love without having a relationship with God? And the only way to have a relationship with God is to be reading his word and to praying to God. And if you want to know God, you've got to be in his book and you've got to be praying. And um, it says in uh, 1 Peter 5, 1 Peter chapter 5, Five and six and seven says, "Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you." He wants us to pray to Him. He wants us to talk to Him, and He wants us to know Him, because He cares for us and loves us. Um, and just another thing. Um, God has given us a perfect word. It's a book I'm holding up right now. I believe that the King James is a perfect word of God. If you don't trust every word in his book, then he's not going to be able to talk to you properly. This is how God, we learn about God. And if you don't trust one word in the book, you're probably not going to trust the whole book. You'll just have too many doubts. And I just, just, just trust his word so you can trust him. He's a just God and he promised to preserve his word. And I have full faith in that he's provided this for me to, to know him. So to know God's love is to have a relationship with God. And that is his biggest desire for us. Um, in closing tonight, uh, if you remember the story at the start of the night, you remember that I was terrified of taking out the trash by myself. And then I talked about taking the trash out with my dad and I had no fear at all. The difference between dad and God is dad gets busy and he can't do things sometimes. God is always with us. 
He is always with us. We have absolutely no reason to fear. Um, it says in Romans 8, uh, 8.31, What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? God promises to always protect us. He promises through his word and through his love. I just want to leave you with a couple of practical challenges tonight. Uh, first one is strive to get to know God. He wants you to put the effort in for him just like any other relationship that you've ever been in. He wants us to know him and he wants us to have a, a loving relationship with him so we can know his love. Um, and secondly, put yourself in a position of fear so he can show you he loves you and take that fear away. And the best way I know to do it is to just witness to someone. And if you're a bit too scared to witness to someone, um, like I was back when I first got saved, just try the first step, take a small step and just tell someone that you are saved. Tell someone that you believe in God. And he'll, he'll help you through that. He promises through his word that he'll take away your fears. And if you tell someone that you believe in God, generally that'll lead into you witnessing to them anyway because they're going to ask questions. So just take the small step. Take the small step. I just want to leave you with one verse, uh, one verse tonight um, <coughs> that I find very encouraging. Uh, Romans 8 and verse 39. Romans 8 and verse 39 says, Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And just, I pray that this is an encouragement and a challenge to get to know God on a better level so that he can take away your fears. We have no reason to fear when we have such a perfect and amazing God. I'll just close in prayer. Dear Lord and most gracious Heavenly Father, we do just praise you and thank you, Lord, for your love. Uh, we do praise you and thank you, Lord, for the perfect sacrifice that your Son was for our sins, Lord, and just the great love that you showed through that. I do pray, Lord, that if there's someone here tonight that doesn't know your love, that uh, you'll just work on their hearts and not, them, not let them leave tonight, Lord, without knowing you. I pray, Lord, that you'll just be with us for us this night and you'll be glorified and just give us safety. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah.